Today I am speaking with Emily Wyrock, and she is a senior at Bowdoin who is majoring in English with a creative writing concentration, and um, she is also an education minor. And um, Emily actually asked me a really great question is why are there so many education minors? And the reason is twofold, that I that there are students from all across all walks of life of campus and all kinds of majors who take education and um, a requirement to be on this podcast is that I know you um, and that we have some sort of relationship because then we have a more interesting conversation uh, at least more quickly so that's why uh, so Memily is also um, a the managing editor of the Bowdoin Orient, which is Bowdoin's student newspaper. Um, so what we'll be doing today is talking about three questions. What's most important to you? What does a liberal arts education mean to you? Mm. And what do you wish your professors knew about you? And um, I'll make sure we get through to all those questions. So this is a new thing that's happening today, and we are using new equipment. I think I have gone into, like, I really have a podcast, and I'm really doing this. So we are using these little lavalier microphones. I don't even know if that's the right way you say, say, to say that. but They're very cute. Yeah. Um, so we'll have to find out how this sounds and what it's like. Um, so what's most important to you? Great question. Um, yeah, entering, entering into my last year at Bowdoin, like having a view of a small college and having a view of the world as a whole, I've been thinking about this kind of idea a lot of what's important to me and what do I want to be doing with my life, but maybe that's a different question. <laughs> um, <laughs> but something that's really been important to me is like individual individual connections with people, um, individual connections with people, and, like, I enjoy getting to know people in a class setting, and I enjoy spending time with family, but Mm. something that's, that I'm realizing is increasingly important to me is sitting down with someone kind of one-on-one and getting to know them as much as, as much as one can know another person, um, and having that kind of individual one-on-one bond. That's what's important to me. Uh, for now, that's what's really important to me. How do you make that happen here? Um, so I have a Google Calendar, <laughs> and I also have it synced to my iPhone. Um, and I'm very much a millennial in that I, a lot of the way that, unfortunately, I have to go about my social interactions is by scheduling a meal with somebody or scheduling time to have coffee with someone. Why is that millennial? That's, I mean, because... I don't think that's millennial. I think that that's positively... I don't, well, I guess you're not, like, friends sitting around the central perk just waiting for yeah. your friend to show up, Yeah, right? I'm not just sitting in my college dorm room and waiting for a friend to come. Maybe we'll, like, go get a meal. I feel like I'm at a point where my life is scheduled way past the point where that's possible. So I have to kind of allot time to be, like, working on, like, an emotional connection, personal connection, which is kind of weird because I would rather that be more integrated into everything else that I do, I think. But at least you're not just sort of texting people. 
right? I mean, that's yeah, I text for, as well. I mean, but I, I, like I mean, <laughs> I'm not opposed to the text. The text serves an important purpose, mm, mm. you know, or texting serves like good, per, you know, very effective purposes. But I, I guess when I think of millennial, and mm. I don't spend, even though I teach millennials all day long, yeah. um, I don't necessarily think about. Um, I guess the scheduling bit, but it was the hearing you talk about personal connections yeah. made me feel like that was not really millennial because I see so many millennials having trouble cultivating personal relationships and, and having these very surface interactions mm-hmm. or transactions um, through texting. I think the millennial part of it is like the appropriation, if you will, of like technology and like apps and stuff to facilitate that social interaction it's like the tinder thing like yep. find a relationship it's like great personal connection but you have to do it through this yeah app that's necessarily yep. an app yes. and has those limitations yes you don't have to answer this if you don't want to but have you ever found a deep personal connection through tinder i have not have you attempted to do so <laughs> i've i've dabbled here and there okay <laughs> i just i've never i mean i've heard many purposes um described for tinder mm-hmm. But a deep personal connection was never one of them. Okay, that's okay. that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Um, so, um, okay, so you have to schedule these interactions. Yeah. And so, where are they normally taking place? What are you, and what do they look like? And do the people mm. know what you're trying to do with them? I mean, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> trying to put pressure on each person. Like, this is your right. one time to open up to a friend. Um, uh, I, I'm just trying to, I don't know, something that bothers me is, is a lot of times a conversation at Bowdoin, I mean, everything I feel like I'm talking about is very specific to a small college residential, like, campus setting, um, liberal arts, et cetera, um, but something that I find happening is a normal conversation with a friend or somebody that you care about is, how are you, how's work going, oh, you have this much, I have this much to do, uh, or did he go to the party or whatever? Um, so I try to like push conversation other directions. Um, not that I'm some social engineer, but I just I'm kind of I've had my I've had my fair share of of small talk, and I know that I'm very busy, and I know that other people are very busy, and I care about that. But um, sometimes I just would rather not kind of keep regurgitating the same information and hearing the same information. But that's something totally different from social interactions what those have looked like for me like this summer I was away from Bowdoin's campus where were you I was um, living in Connecticut where I'm from um, but commuting to New York three days a week for an internship and I had a lot of quiet time alone time commuting on the train walking through the city and I would have like one or two two max one social interaction a week with someone that's not like my mother or father (laughs) (laughs) and it was great (laughs) um and so that was just a very different mindset from the way I have mm-hmm. to go about doing it now because I had some work to do and then I got out of work and I went home and I went to sleep and, you know, I had a social interaction. <laughs> I had some coffee once a week or something. There is, I think, a really... Um, interesting phenomenon or strange or alienating phenomenon that can happen when... At least I remember being in New York mm-hmm. 
And those times where you don't talk to anyone all day, but you're surrounded by people. Yeah. And it produces a very interesting emotion, I think. Yes. Yeah. It is, it is an interesting emotion. I was working at a, um, a publishing company that was pretty small, and there were people around me, and we talked. And I would say, you know, good morning and good afternoon, you know, have a good night. Um, and we would have some little conversations, but it's definitely, yeah, all these people who have their lives that are parallel or kind of perpendicular to yours in certain ways, kind of crossing paths, but never, never fully, at least in my experience, until kind of the last day when I had a few good conversations with people. I didn't mm. really feel like I was um, connecting with them. But, of course, that's not what the job was about. It was kind of about uh, working on something and creating a product and selling the product. Mm. Okay, so tell me about, you opened up your phone mm-hmm. as we started, and you had, I would, at just a glance, <laughs> I couldn't see the names of what your, the names of your alarms, Okay, but I could see that there were, at a minimum, 30 alarms. Oh, at a minimum. I mean, 30 before 10 a.m., I okay. might say. Could, do you mind giving a swipe through sure. and, and giving names to listing the names of any alarms that you feel are appropriate to say on a podcast such as this? Okay. We have, um, well, so the thing is, I guess some background, uh, when I make an alarm for a specific time, I'll not like delete it after I'm done using it. Cause who knows when I'm going to need to wake up at that time, you know, again, or be alarmed about something <laughs> at that time. So so I have a 4.01 a.m. It's time to wake up now. Um, don't remember. Was but that to go on a from. flight or something? Yeah, that I, sounds I really, like it could be. I hope so. Yeah, I've done some early morning birding as well. So sometimes okay. I try to get up for that. Okay. Um, uh, 5 a.m. lobster fishing. I think that was from um, <laughs> from two summers ago when I, when I spent the summer on Bowdoin's scientific uh, research station on Kent Island. And one special day, we got to go out early the whole day, um, but we had to wake up very early to go out lobster fishing on a boat. So I had a 5 a.m. alarm set for that. Great time, really great. And a lot of people got seasick, but I didn't. So um, not to brag, but it, it was a really nice time. And I'm just going to note <laughs> that you have a two-year-old alarm. In your, okay. In your, in your, on your phone, too. Okay. It's just you never know when you're going to go lobster fishing again. Okay. Um, let's see. Happy 4th of July at 6.13 a.m. Um, I think that was just a, a date-specific yeah. one where I was kind of excited about the next day that was happening. Yes. Um, 6.35 a.m., some Bowdoin people might recognize this kind of alarm. Call Mr. Bagel. Um, I was going to call Mr. Bagel before going on some kind of road trip to pick up some... They're, yes. they're a bagel a bagel sto- restaurant. Or, right. This is not a person. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not a person. It's a, it's a um, great, great little rest, like, restaurant. I don't know how you would describe it. If bagel it were in New store. York, it'd be a deli. Yeah. But there's no such thing as a yeah, deli here. Yeah, not quite. Yeah. So anyway, I love their bagels, and so I was going to wake up early, call them, and then get in the car and then go for a hike or something. Give um, me a, what's a, um, a midday one. Um, okay, so, so, okay, so I'm just scrolling, I'm scrolling, scrolling, and I'm finally getting to, like, noon. Okay, um, oh, <laughs> I have a 2.19 p.m. alarm called Wake Up for nap, From Nap, um, and I think that was because sometimes I'll take a nap before yes. a 2.30 class. Yes, I was going to guess that that's <laughs> what was going on. And what about an evening an one? An evening alarm? 
um, I mean, not to have them, this is actually a great example, but I think it'll be illustrating a pattern about me that I don't know is true, whether it's true or not, but I, I take naps sometimes. I've taken more naps in past years and I'm trying to get more sleep now so I don't have to take as many naps. However, that said, I do have an alarm for 11.59 p.m. that says, you're not night napping, are you? Which is, I, sometimes I will take a nap if I'm tired at nighttime instead of going to sleep because I have so much work. I will take a brief nap at the night during the nighttime, and then I'll try to wake up from it and do more work. And it's never a good idea, and I know that before I go to sleep, so I set an alarm that's kind of scolding me for doing that. Does it alter your behavior <laughs> in any kind of way? Um, I don't do it as much, but, you know, it'll happen. I've done it this year once. You've already night napped? One, one night napped. We're only two and a half so. weeks into the <laughs> semester, and you've, oh, well, I guess we're almost into the third week, almost and you've night napped. That's right. It can be... You know, it can, it can feel nice in the moment, but ultimately I'll wake up from the night nap and just want to go to sleep for the night, you know, so. I, I actually remember, and so this was in the, in the, in the land before a cell phone mm -hmm. or a smartphone, um, and before a cell phone, if, unless you were like, I don't, you know, someone, you know, in the cast of Narcos or something, yeah. but, um, it's, uh. I remember um, having my mom wake me up to, so so in the morning. So I, mm -hmm. after pulling a nearly all nighter, so she would, so I would not oversleep my um, my having to turn in the paper. That is really kind of her. It was nice of her. <laughs> it was nice of her. Yeah, that's a she tough. Very, it's a tough place to be in. Um, So are you, who are, who are you looking to make connections with at Bowdoin? Like, do you have, what are your, what is your friend group like? Can you describe, is it, is it a group or is it a collection of individuals from all sorts of parts of campus and your experience here? What are they like? I would say the latter. Um, and that's kind of the thing that I've been thinking about. Like, there's this app called Group Me. Um, which a lot of people use. Um, oh, I don't know about this. Will you tell me about yeah, it? Yeah, so it's an app um, that you put in different people's phone numbers and you have like a group message. It's, you can do group messages oh. on iMessage or whatever right. service, but it's just like an app and you can do, you know, attached photos and sometimes like fun little images and things like that. You can like people's messages. Um, so yeah, a lot of like friend groups um, or like families or whatever, have a group me chat where so you're all like talking to each other and stuff. I, so, so the thing that I've been thinking about a lot, especially like this year as a lot more people start using group me to communicate, I'm like, boy, like who am I to say that this is like the limits of who like I'm friends with and like who fits in a certain group mm. and like, it just seems kind of weird to me um, because I'm, I'm a person, yeah, to answer your question, I, I think I'm more about having friends I know individually and then kind of getting them, you know, having uh, instances where people come together and, and kind of having interactions be that way instead of having a set group of people that I do things with most of the time. So group me seems kind of a little like not the way that I go about socializing, but there are some mm -hmm. like friend groups at the school and I think that's a really great, um, great way to socialize if you want to be comfortable with a group of mm -hmm. people. But I, yeah, I think I, I do prefer the um, individual interactions and that's not to say that I'm like 
I'm not it's, the way you asked the question. It made me seem like I'm like scouting out like new friends. No, to, like, yes, yes. Know, like, <laughs> and, like I'm gonna get you. You're gonna be. I don't know. I think I I kind of have acquaintances and people that I've know, known through classes and clubs and things I've gone to and met through other friends and and I'm like hey or they're like hey want to get a meal sometime and then we just get to know each other more so it's it's more like I'd like to get to know the people I guess like on the periphery of like people that I know right. yeah well I even find that right and so I didn't mean, <laughs> I didn't mean to make you sound creepy or, <laughs> um but you know there there are friends of mine who I have to you know if I don't make regular um sort of times that we're going to have coffee or mm. a meal that it, we can quickly look and say, oh my goodness, we haven't seen each other or talked to each other in a month. Yeah. Um, and for me, that's a way that I'm deliberate about making sure I maintain my social connect, you know, my mm. connections with people and get to know them well, that it's not just like, oh, well, yeah, we'll all hang out in this, that it's mm. a time where we're really attending to each other. So Yeah, and that's interesting because last year I had a great roommate um, and we lived in a double together and we spent, like, we would both come back from, like, class and spend time together and talk about our days and, like, sometimes make dinner and then wake up together and, like, sing songs in the morning and do our makeup at the same time. And now we're not roommates anymore. I have a different roommate and she has different roommates. And I just don't see her in any of my classes or around campus for whatever reason. So we've been very deliberate about trying to find that time mm. because it's a really special, yeah, it's special to have um, relationships with people. And it's, it's sad when things change. Yeah. So I haven't seen you much in the last two years, but we saw a, a lot of each other in the first year and a half. That's true. Um, of your time at Bowdoin because you were one of my first year advisees or pre-major advisees mm -hmm. um, and I think you took two classes with me the first one class the first semester of your first year mm -hmm. and the second is that it yeah I think so right yeah um, so I'm so curious to know what's sort of gone on for you educationally in that way you know since that time and how you've put all of your sort of enthusiasms mm -hmm. My together, generous enthusiasms. Your generous enthusiasms, if you will. Uh, together. Mm -hmm. um, so what does a liberal arts education mean to you, oh, sitting okay. here as a senior at Bowdoin? Yeah. You know, I'm guessing that it means... We talked about that, like, we actually talk about that at the very beginning mm -hmm. of advising in the first year. Uh, and... I'm so excited to hear what, where you're at now. Okay, well, disclaimer. I have a job for the Office of Admissions, and I uh, have to talk about what liberal arts means to me there, and I do not want to sound exactly like I'm trying to sell the school right now because I'm not doing that. So if I do sound like uh, Doris, if I do sound like I'm starting to go into that jargon, I would appreciate if you kind of... I can interview on that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, and I'm, it, yeah, I think, uh, to me, liberal arts has been super cool <laughs> um, because I've gotten to, like, kind of, like, situate myself, like, in the center of, like, all this incredible thought and, like, writing and reading and research and then kind of, like, imagine me as an octopus and then, like, kind of stretch out my tentacles in 
whatever direction seems interesting or like very interesting and then kind of um, go from there and find where my my interests kind of um, lie my main interests lie if I have main interests which I'm I'm an English major and I enjoy that but I, I enjoy other other things as well um, I had a great time um, taking printmaking classes mm. um, I took one because it was a requirement to take an art visual performing arts class of some kind um, and then I just had a great time spending time in the studio and I took an you know, another printmaking class, and I took a class called Birdsong, which initi- which I took initially, again, for, like, science requirement. It led to me spending that time on Kent Island, where I was a writer-in-residence, but spending time with ornithologists and, like, coastal ecologists and student researchers. Um, and so, yeah, I guess liberal arts, to me, is, like, you are so young, <laughs> mm-hmm. and the world is so big, <laughs> mm. and... Um, what a wonderful experience and privilege it is to be able to see what you like and see what you don't like and see hmm. where you can see yourself kind of fitting into it all. Um, and I'm glad that I'm, you know, participating in or, or benefiting from a liberal arts education because I had no clue what I wanted to do coming out of high school. Um, I think if I just went in and studied, I think I would initially set on my forms I wanted to be a psych major, um, and if I went into, you know, right into psychology research and stuff, I don't think I would be um, very happy. I mean, I can't say that for sure. I'm, I'm sure as heck mm-hmm. doing okay now. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so I, I mean, I don't really know uh, to a very specific extent what I'm going to do, you know, when I graduate, but I feel much more comfortable kind of being able to figure out what I think of the world uh, and how I kind of relate to it in different ways after having spent four years with a liberal arts education, almost four years. What, um, what did you do during birdsong? And it, you said that you <laughs> get up sometimes to do... Birding. Birding. <laughs> yeah. And so has that, is that something that you continued after taking... Were you birding... Did you go birding prior to taking this course? And then did you continue birding... Mm following this course or following your Kent Island experience? So I did not do any sort of bird watching before birdsong. I came into it a little bit scared of birds, you know, like their feet and things like that. (laughs) Wait, what? You're afraid of their feet? No, like, and you know, like how they fly and they could just die at any moment and like fall on you. Just like the way that you experience birds in day to day life. <laughs> too many people experience <laughs> too many people experience dead birds falling from the sky in maybe their day to day. Maybe that's an irrational fear. Okay, um, but who knows? Maybe it's not. I would <laughs> appreciate if listeners could reach out to me if they have also had that fear. Um, <laughs> and so yeah, I was like, okay, birds. And um, I think a lot of people were <laughs> deterred from the class because it had a very early lab. Um, which was a, like a bird watching lab. Then you would also, a few times we did, like we counted how many times the chipping sparrows were singing, like right at sunrise and stuff like that um, in a certain location. Um, so yeah, I got to really like birds. I think the professor was um, very aware that he wasn't teaching people that are going to be ornithologists, like bird researchers. Um, and he was just like, I just want you to have, you know, a passion for birds and, you know, to appreciate what they do, you know, in our ecosystem and in our world. And he brought in, like, a poetry professor to talk about uh, p- bird poetry and stuff like that. And so he definitely 
knew what he was getting into. Nat Wheelwright, wonderful professor, wonderful person. Um, and yeah, so I think he did what he was trying to do well. And I really, you know, I understood more about how birds produced song and how they worked like anatomically and physiology. Oh, shoot, I don't know how to say that Physiologically. Word. Physiologically. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so now, so I learned about birds in that way and then kind of found out about um, this writer-in-residence program or artist-in-residence or writer-in-residence program on Kent Island, and I um, thought, why not? I like birds now, <laughs> and I, I enjoy being around people, you know, that are talking about what birds are doing and how they're doing their thing, so... Um, and I like writing about them and in nature. So I applied for that and I got to spend a summer on a really, really small, really far away island in the Bay of Fundy. Um, and then since then, I've been sometimes when I get a chance going out birding with the Huntington Bird Club, which is a wonderful bird club. I see um, a member of it actually walking across the quad right there. Um, waving to him. Oh, hello. yes, hello. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's pretty early. What is, is that a Bowdoin affiliated yeah, group? Yeah, Bowdoin. I believe it's a new club this year or it's getting reach harder this year. Um, and it has some really great early morning uh, bird walks. You don't need to know, because the thing is, I, I like birds a lot, um, but. Despite irrational fears. Despite, you know, the fear has gone away somewhat, which is great, but. And I, I know how to identify some of them, but I am no expert. Um, but I'm still learning, and it's nice to be. Birders don't care if you know exactly what family each bird is in. It's just about kind of going out and seeing the birds. And uh, it's a nice club. I would recommend anyone join it um, if they want to want to see what it's like going out birding. And you don't need to know anything. Um, I still barely know anything in the whole you know realm of what there is to know about birds. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have a bird fall on your head? At any point? Well, here's the thing. <laughs> Short answer is no, but longer answer is that there was a quite a threat of that happening on Kent Island. The herring gulls there, um, they have these huge uh, colonies of herring gulls, which are seagulls, you know, um, and they kind of uh, dive bomb people when they come into the territory that they nest in. Mm -hmm. um, and there's not many people on the island at a time, um, and it's like, not even two miles long, so it's mostly the Herring Gulls Island. Um, and so, yeah, I, I didn't get fallen on, you know, bird didn't fall on me, but it, it won, I think almost everyone else on the island got, their head got bloodied because a bird kind of dive bombed them. Wow. So, it was, it's the closest I think I could have come to that fear, really. Yes. <laughs> what, Coming true. What, what kind of work did you produce from being on the island? Um, I wrote poetry, um, which was cool because it's hard at Bowdoin, especially when you're not taking a specific creative writing class to find time to write poetry. Mm -hmm. At least I found it hard. Um, and I also wrote articles for the Bowdoin Office of Communications about students doing research nice. and things like that. Um, so you're also on the Bowdoin Orient and now a managing editor. So you've been doing that for four, year, four yeah, years. Yeah. And so um, what have you gotten out of being a member of the staff? Mm -hmm. I mean, one incredible thing is I've gotten to, especially in my, my time as a reporter for the Orient and writing news especially, getting to talk to all sorts of people and getting to really learn what's happening. Um, interviewing people, uh, not unlike what you were doing to me now, but 
but somewhat dissimilar. Um, I've really enjoyed that, and those have been really cool things to take with me. Um, I've also gotten, as I've kind of gone up the ranks, um, to think about what an organization does and what a student club does, and especially a student club that produces a newspaper. Um, so it's, you know, reporting news and thinking about the ways um, that it can be better. So, um, yeah, we've been working on um, some initiatives to make it more representative of the students that are on campus. Um, and I think it's been cool being a part of the Orient for four years and seeing what changes year to year and what kind of things are consistent and then kind of mm-hmm. looking at, at the great things about it and the things that, that could use some work. Great. So what do you wish your professors knew about you? Honestly, I take classes at this point primarily because I really want to learn the things in the class. And I really care about the subject material and the readings. And I wish my professors knew that if ever I am unprepared or I haven't read the reading as closely as I would want to, um, which isn't all the time, and I do, you know, do my readings a fair amount. Um, but it's, you know, there's a lot of other stuff going on, and I wish I could take, like, one class a semester or, like, two classes a semester and then have the whole two years to be focused on my Orient stuff so I could just be focusing on classes for a semester and then two classes the next semester. But with all the four classes that I take and the work I do on the Orient and other jobs and clubs that I'm involved in, uh as much as I would love to really be deeply engaging with each word of a reading, um, it's not always possible. And I, I feel really bad about that too sometimes. Um, even though I think a lot of students are in the same boat as me, um, I wish, yeah, I wish professors knew that I'm trying my best <laughs> and I would spend so long doing these readings and discussing them with you if I, if I could and I wish that I could. Do you feel like professors know when you haven't done the reading? Um, I never don't do a reading. There's, you know, different ways of doing a reading that make it go more quickly or less quickly. Um, So that's my answer to that. (laughs) I I ask only because the other day I um, spoke to my class about their not doing, to, members of that class not doing the reading, mm. um, because I could ascertain that at least more than one had not done yeah. the reading. And, yeah. and so I, there was a, a small, a, a small, I hope it was a gentle just, I know you have not, and this is not much, so let's pull it together. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but I also recognize that those things are going. Right, there's, yeah. a, there's, a, there's a lot about being here and learning that is more than the reading that is happening. Yeah. Um, and I also know as a former English major that mm. I did not read everything <laughs> that was assigned to me. Um, but that is what the rest of my life was for. Okay. You yeah. Know? And That's so I, at least, I mean, I didn't, I don't know if I thought of it that way mm-hmm. at the time. 
of just being like, just saying like either I don't care about this particular book and I can't make it happen or, um, or if it's just being overwhelmed with other work or things or demand, whatever it might be at the yeah. time. Um, that was where I was at that point. But now I say, oh, I, I feel like maybe I was supposed to read that. <laughs> I'm going to read that now. Yeah, and it's yeah. been a true pleasure to um, revisit the things that I failed to read in college. Yeah, that's something, that's something I look forward to. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for talking to me today. Mm. And it's been nice to see you um, now more towards the end. Although you still yeah. have a full... Almost a full two semesters left, but yeah, almost. I gotta pack them in with stuff to yes, do. Yes, yes, yeah, gotta take what I can from this yeah. wonderful. There's, column. there's gonna be some alarm set, I think. Okay, well, thank you. You're for welcome. Having me. <laughs>